0: With Ed Easton Jr. We are back once again here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. And as always, it's another one of those weird week in sports where, you know, we talk about so many things that's going on on the field almost as much as we talk about what's going on off the field. And with that being said, I'm just going to lead right off with it the NFL. Okay. Now, I get it. It's the whole, you know, preseason. Everybody has their opinions on it. Preseason sucks. Everyone knows preseason sucks. OK, this isn't something new. This isn't like a, uh, a big revelation. Preseason has never been fun. But you have to look at it this way. All the star players, all you hope for is that they don't get hurt. Because That's what happens every preseason. You already had in training camp uh, a couple of players just tore their ACLs. We had the rookie for the Washington Redskins not even going to play it down this year towards ACL. He's done. We have veterans being cut just because they're not, you know, how can I say this? Uh, They're not as good as the rookies that were just brought in to replace them. It's just all these different stories are, are just circulating. And mind you, I haven't even gotten to the protests yet. I do want to talk about the protests, but let's talk about the other stuff first. okay? starting off with. The big different battles that are going on, position battles. Uh, New York Jets. That's the other team in New York that people forget about. The New York York Jets, they have three quarterbacks, okay? Josh McCown, who's uh, most likely going to be the starter again. He had a decent season last year. They got Teddy Bridgewater, who, in my opinion, is still a very good starter. And the only reason why he lost his job is because his leg broke in a bunch of different places two years ago. And he's just now fully healthy, but the guy should still be the starting quarterback in Minnesota. That's my opinion. Well, he's with the Jets now. You got him. And then, of course, you got the uh, the number one pick, the top guy, the guy that took so long to actually sign if you're a uh, New York Jets fan and you have your frustrations with that. You got Sam Darnold there. All three played uh, against the uh, Atlanta Falcons in their preseason opener. And all three were were sort of impressive. Now, McCown didn't play much, so I'm not going to go and say, oh, he's up there with the impress. You know, he doesn't really have to impress that much. He's he's a starter. Everyone knows going in, he's a starter. He's not the future. But the Jets want to see what they have right now. Teddy Bridgewater looks really good. If anything, Teddy Bridgewater is just raising his trade value because there's going to be a team out there that needs a quarterback or needs a backup quarterback that might play right away, aka the Giants, but we'll get to them in a second. But the biggest story from that Jets preseason game was none other than uh, uh, Mr. Darnold, Mr. uh, I'm going to wait out and hold out for some more money, even though I haven't played an official down in the NFL. He looked very good, very sharp out there, uh, hit his receivers in, in, you know, in stride. uh, Everything that was projected about him, the guy seemed to live up to. And I I can't help but wonder as a... uh, As a person watching the game, and I really don't have a vested interest in the New York Jets, I was a little jealous. I was a little jealous seeing a rookie quarterback with so much poise and and looked like he was just ready to be out there. Now, my jealousy didn't have to just stop with the New York Jets who have to make a big decision on whether or not they're going to keep Bridgewater, keep all three quarterbacks, which is, in my opinion, ridiculous. If you keep three talented quarterbacks like this, somebody's going to get traded before the season starts. What is the future for the Jets? Are, are they looking at right now as, oh, we have a chance to win? Because I hope that's not the case. That team is not good enough to win a division. It's not good enough to win a wild card spot. Maybe in a year or two, I can see that, but not right now. Just, just not right now. I, I, if you're a Jets fan, be excited, be encouraged. Don't be so quick to rush out Darnold, you know? I, I just think it's not it's not necessary. You don't need to. You really don't need to rush him out there. I want to see Bridgewater as a starter. Can I be that guy? Let's not trade him right away. I'm not a Jets fan, but Jets fans, hear me out. Why not start Teddy Bridgewater? I think if you want some excitement this year, I think he's the guy you go to. If you want to sell some tickets this year, he's the guy you go to. I think you know what you have and with uh, Darnold as your backup, you know he's going to be the starter probably for the next 10 years. That's what you're hoping for. Why not give Bridgewater a shot? Unless the, the, the price for him trading him is, is high, then I get it. Make the trade if it's high. But if there's no good offers, just hold on to him. McCown, you can let go. I just don't see the value in keeping him. Some people say he's a veteran. That's You need a veteran. You need a veteran to teach the youngster. Sometimes it doesn't work that way if the if the youngster is that much better than the veteran i'm just putting it out there speaking of veterans and youngsters now we go to the new york football giants i was at the game uh this past thursday saquon barkley made his debut there's such a big buzz around it i even bought the jersey which you guys will see on instagram and everyone's like you know let's let's hope he he doesn't get hurt that's all we care about everybody's pessimistic. We just say, do not get hurt, okay? We understand that. You have all this guaranteed money. You're a running back. You're in a meaningless preseason game. We do want to see you, but we really don't want you to get hurt. We weren't expecting many people to play. I didn't expect Eli Manning to play, but Eli played a couple downs. Odell Beckham didn't play, but he did put on a show on the sidelines. He was dancing and uh, playing around with fans, so he was he was still keeping himself busy. But uh, very first play, Saquon Barkley, 39 yards. Just a burst of speed, and if you look at this guy's size, this is a big guy, but he's fast, like really quick, very agile. All things that got me as a Giants fan extremely excited. Mind you, that the Giants lost this game, but you know, seeing what what you saw out of Barkley and then his his uh chemistry with Manning, that's the stuff that I want to see grow. I don't want Eli to have to win a game anymore. I know that sounds ridiculous, but when the Giants were at their best, and I'm talking about the 2007-2011 championship years, they relied on their defense and the running game. The defense, I think, is going to be a lot better. There There were some holes in it, as you saw from that first touchdown drive by the Browns. There are some stuff they need to shore up. But uh, the running game will be key, and he's going to be an every-down back. I-, I-, I saw nothing that would would let me think otherwise That say, okay, he's not the guy to-, to carry the ball maybe 30 times a game, 30-plus times a game. That's the type of running back we got. That's why we drafted him number two overall. If you draft a running back number two overall, then you're basically saying you are the guy for the next some-odd years. You are our you know our Adrian Peterson. That's that's just my way of looking at it. But uh, how about a quick segue? We had the uh, Giants against the Browns. You know, the Cleveland Browns, the stars of Hard Knocks on HBO. Now, this is what I'm going to appeal out to everybody. Now, I, I need to say this. If you're a football fan, obviously you're watching Hard Knocks, okay? But if you're not a football fan, I strongly encourage you to watch Hard Knocks. And I'm going to have a whole segment on it in this show. But uh, the first episode was amazing. Second episode, just as good. But there's just so many, like, one-liners. There's so many uh, quotables. Obviously, the Jarvis Landry speech is one of the greatest speeches already in the show's history. And that was off the very first episode. I, I found a way to get the bleep version, which I'm going to play a little bit later in the show. But it's amazing. He's basically called out his teammates. You know, he probably got uh, Corey Coleman traded. It was uh, it was legendary. I thought it was one of the better speeches I've heard in a long time. So I'm I'm really enjoying the uh, Browns Hard Knocks every Tuesday on HBO. Check it out, ten o'clock. Tell your friends, tell your fam, you know, tell your family, tell everybody. It's it's hilarious. Even if you enjoy unnecessary cursing, because that's what you're gonna get. It's great stuff. But uh, speaking of great stuff, I, what I like to do on the show, and I think you guys have noticed this by now. I like to talk about different sports that are not as common that everyone likes to, to really throw out there, whether it's, uh you know, soccer or uh, bowling or something that's, that's just not the norm. Like, I don't want to always talk about the NBA. We only talk about LeBron James with so much, okay? We can't talk about LeBron James every episode. I'm just tired of listening to podcasts, and we got to hear about LeBron James. I, I get it. LeBron, amazing job. I'm going to actually do an episode talking about his job that he's doing with the schools. I think it's worth it, but... In terms of his free agency status, he signed with the Lakers. It's done. They're building a team around him. We don't need to talk about how many wins the Lakers are going to get. The NBA schedule's out. I get it. All right? it's on. I don't have to break it down any more than anyone else has broken it down. With all that rant being said, I do have two special guests on the show today. I have uh, Connor Daly. He is a uh, former IndyCar racer. Now he's going into NASCAR. He's uh talking about his uh journey dealing with diabetes along with Ryan Reed, his teammate. They both are under uh, Lily's diabetes, and they're they're talking about just what they've done with the program and helping kids and helping people, just spread awareness of uh living with diabetes and just competing and and still being able to live a normal life. Because let's be honest, a lot of people um tend to write off those that are sick or aren't well, and you know and it sucks it's just not a a real it's just not an honest way of looking at things everyone has their their ups and their downs you shouldn't write someone off just because they're sick or just because they have this and both of these guys tell compelling stories and they you know they do it within working in NASCAR as professional drivers going to different races it's not an easy life. Uh, you're talking about keeping yourself healthy and dealing with type 1, type 2 diabetes is a whole other story. And like I said, uh, I just commend both of these guys. They just they do such a great job in, in spreading the word as well as keeping themselves focused on the track. So um, definitely big to them. And, and it's funny because when you hear the conversation, both of these guys, not from New York. Don't know much about New York. Actually, this was their first time they came to the studios in Brooklyn. Never been to Brooklyn before. They came to Brooklyn just to talk on the show. So it is greatly greatly appreciated because uh, NASCAR has been one of the top sports in the world for a long time. May not be as big as it should be in the Northeast, but things change over time. So I'm really excited to, uh, to really share that interview with you guys. And uh, with that being said, as always, I'm open to your comments, your questions via social media. Be nice at Eddie Easton Jr. on Twitter, Instagram. Share your thoughts. Let me know who you feel like I should have on the show, which sport you feel like I'm neglecting, because I remember for a while everyone was like, oh, I don't talk soccer. I don't talk soccer. I did two different soccer episodes. I did one on MLS, and I did one on the Premier League. So I do listen to what you guys are saying. I love the comments. I love the feedback. Let's keep it going. And uh, we're just going to, you know, just enjoy that. So what we're going to do is uh, step aside and go to break. And I want to go to break on that infamous speech. Like I said, I, I I waited a week for it because I wanted a bleep version. I wanted a clean version. But we're going to get that infamous speech from Jarvis Landry as we go to break. This is from the first episode of Hard Knocks. You're listening to Sports Social with Eddie St. Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Well,
1: let me say something real quick. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> I don't know. What the been going on here and I don't know why it's been going on here, but this, if you're not hurt, like if your hamstring ain't falling off the bone, your leg ain't broke, I don't know, like you should be practicing, like straight up. Like that is weakness and that is contagious as And that ain't gonna be in this room, bruh. Been here in the past, and that's why the past has been like it is, bruh. That is over with here, bruh. If you can practice, practice. You can't get no better. Ain't nobody gonna get better by being on the sideline if you ain't hurt. If you're not hurt, you gotta practice. Because you make other work even harder. Now they had more risks of getting hurt because you don't want practice because you've been a Straight up, man, that is real, bro. That ain't happening here. I'm just letting y'all know that not happening here. I'm hurting, I'm tired, just like every body in this But I ain't taking no days off, because I can't be great that way. That gotta be the attitude and the mentality all the time, all that weak Don't live here no more, that don't exist. It's contagious, bro. Like it's really
2: Contagious. It's contagious. Oh, iHeartRadio now combines your favorite radio stations, plus your on-demand music collection all in one app. iHeartRadio All Access now allows you to take your music collection offline, to listen anywhere, without a connection or using data. From the My Music pivot, tap on a playlist you want to take offline. Toggle to Offline. Indicators will fill in seconds, showing when your tracks and playlists are available offline. Radio plus unlimited music all in one app.
3: Match day is no ordinary day. The pitch. Hallowed ground for players and supporters alike. Excitement builds. Game plans are made with responsibility in mind. Celebrations are underway. Ready for kickoff. MLS clubs and our supporters rise to the challenge. We make responsible decisions while we cheer on our heroes and toast their success. Elevate your match day experience. If you drink, never drive. Time is money just ask defensive end Carl Nassib. Who here knows what compound interest is? This <laughs> is real sh-. Financial advisors are everywhere, okay? They'll f- take your money and they'll take 1% of everything you got and you're like, oh, it's 1%, it doesn't f- matter. Oh, I they, know it matters. It That's matters. why it I ain't trying to a, take a lot. Because if you learn this sh- yourself, you can f- make a billion f- dollars. We got a lot of money right now, right? This is the easiest equation to make you rich. You have a million dollars, and after seven years of getting 10% on that money every single year, okay, you're making money off of it. You're going to double it after seven years. So you double your money every seven years for 42 years. You get 64 times your original money. So you got a million dollars. You can end up with $64 million by the time you retire.
1: Nice.
3: If you don't turn that... Listen, Miles has got... $30 million. Okay, so let's say... let's No, I had that... Be a billionaire by the time he was. So hold on, <laughs> I'm anxious again. So you telling me, bro? It's crazy. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Believe it. I swear to God. You believe that mm-hmm. No, you okay. don't believe, so- that. You believe that. Bro, I've been thinking that mm-hmm. the past three months, and mm-hmm. I don't spend like mm-hmm. money on stupid. Mm-hmm. Won- I met Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. and before the concert, I was like, I need to buy a Roly, so she knows I got it, <laughs> and I didn't because of this. No. So you telling us that all we gotta do is put a hundred thousand dollars in the bank yep. and let. The- Sit there, hundred percent. Let it sit. Don't touch it. Interest. It's called interest, and it's interest. so easy. When you go to the store and you buy something for ten grand, that's six hundred forty thousand dollars. Perky mm. boy, I, I charge you for that. That's good knowledge, man. Good. No, don't charge me. You spend two hours a day on Instagram. That's one month out of the year. Two hours a day. That's one twelfth of your day. That's one twelfth of your year. That's one whole. On Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on whatever people do. That's one month out of the whole year. What's wrong with doing that, bro? I think a month on Instagram? Out of the year, yeah. Because you're just
4: not bettering yourself, bro. Sports social too, with Ed Easton Jr. We are back, and I had to bring the man back on. He is a legend around these parts, bringing in Mr. Stan Tallowese. If we're talking football, i got to bring Stan on.
5: That's high praise, my friend.
4: <laughs> well, you don't think you've earned it?
5: I mean, I'm, I've earned legendary status for other things. I don't know about football.
4: <laughs> well, I had to come to you because uh, the big talk in football, besides the actual week one preseason, because that's so exciting, is uh, hard knocks. And hard knocks right. seems to be the talk of preseason every year anyway. So far, the Cleveland Browns, after um, just the first uh, first two episodes, have given us some classic material. Uh, I just want to start from the first episode, the Jarvis Landry speech. Yeah. I mean, can we call that already the, the greatest speech in Hard Knocks history? Even that, Could that be better than the, uh, the Rex Ryan let's get a snack um, speech? See,
5: that's not so I'm, – I'm glad you brought that up. Cause the Rex Ryan thing wasn't as much of a speech as much as it was – just a a blithering idiot doesn't know what he, what to say, and he says, Let's go get a snack. There's already a speech there's no one no one is no one's running to a brick wall listening to Rex Ryan talk about you know getting a snack I mean maybe my 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 buddy will you know maybe he might, but no nobody real is getting excited about that. driver's Landry speech on hard knocks is definitely one of the most most passionate speeches uh I've ever heard on hard Knocks. then hands down um and it speaks to just who he is as a person. I mean, remember, this is the, he, was a, he was a college teammate of Odell Beckham Jr.'s. They, they come from the same class, um, and you know that they, they, they take football really seriously. So I, I'm really not surprised by it, but at the same time, you know, I, I would say it's definitely going to go down as one of the more remembered parts of Hard Knocks this season. I
4: definitely agree. I mean, just the energy that he had in the room and everyone just got quiet. Like, this guy just got to the team and he's staring at guys that were on the team already and he's putting them in their place. I just thought that was interesting for, you know, just a football fan. You're kind of like, okay, this guy just came from the Dolphins and he's already telling the rest of the wide receiver core that he's the man and you guys pretty much suck, you know, like. I just thought that you don't see that. You rarely see something like that. It was kind of embarrassing
5: for the the Browns that came back from last year.
4: Well, it's to put in perspective.
5: We we saw recently an article an article came out that uh, you know Hugh Jackson's upset that that uh, his wide receivers are complaining about injuries to the media and things like that. So um, Trevor Landry has a point. He, he's he's coming from a, from a place where you know he. Not, not necessarily was the man, but it wasn't a winning culture. And he's trying to bring that over to Cleveland. And, I mean, that's, yeah, he's got to be frustrated with what he sees. It's,
4: it's, I mean, first of all, it's the Cleveland Browns obviously has been very frustrating. And uh, like I said, watching Hard Docs, they give you just a little insight on what the team is dealing with. Just some of the, the, the points that I want to point out, even from like the first episode, which it had so much, the whole Nick Chubb situation, how they just kind of uh, – he was kind of the unknown man, you know, coming that's in. Just dumb.
5: That's just that's just that's just, that that just that's just dumb because you know that just I don't know if if I'm a football fan in Cleveland, Nick comes at the airport, and I'm standing next to him. I know who he is. Like, but again, I, that's that's me. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of silly on, on on one side. The other thing is, if you want to talk about things that from the first episode that that don't bode well for the teams is the argument in the coach's room between Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, and and, and everybody else. It wasn't really an argument, but you could tell it was really, it was really, you know, the tension w- was there. And I don't think Hugh Jackson lasted season To be honest with you,
4: I thought it was interesting. Haley was really ripping into him uh, about
5: wrestling well, the players. Haley's, Haley used to be a head coach. A lot of those guys mm. were head coaches at one point. You know, right? So right. For Hugh Jackson to sit at the head of the, head of the table and say, "Well, you know." It's, it's different from my perspective than I, I remember being where you were and blah blah blah. I get what he's saying, but he, he's got to remember he's talking to guys that were also in his chair. Todd Haley was Todd Haley won more games than Hugh Jackson ever had as a head coach. So you know it's it's kind of hard to be condescending when guys know where you're coming from. And you know, like I said, I understand where Hugh Jackson's coming from. I understand what he's saying, but he's got to come at it a different way. And I think that's going to cost him a job at some point.
4: Well, you know, I'm gonna when I look at Hugh Jackson. Obviously, he's dealing with a lot with the, the, you know, the sudden loss loss of his mother and I believe his brother as well. So I'm giving him a pass for you know all of that right there because you never know that those a lot of uh, emotional decisions after a while. Sure, you know, people don't like to admit that, but that's that's you know that, that buys into it a little bit. So I'm going to give him a pass on that one. Um, that was that was pretty, uh, you know. Look, I'm all about HBO. You know, giving you the the gritty and all that stuff. That's some real, like you know, low moments they were taping up. Yeah, that was that was pretty rough. It was tough to watch, you know.
5: I think a lot of that is you're right. It's it's HBO taking advantage of 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 the situation. But let's be real. If there was if there was more going on, and even in the Browns training camp, you know, they probably you know, probably wouldn't have shown that. I mean, no, I how, many times are you gonna, how many times can you gonna bring up Baker Mayfield and the fourth string <laughs> quarterback? You know, <laughs> not not filling up the fridge right. I mean, it was, Honestly, it was entertaining for a minute. It was, but like, I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna say that this season's gonna be bad, but like, it's it's taking some different personalities to kind of you know, make this make it entertaining so far because, you know, it's taking Jarvis Landry come, you know, with that speech. It's, you know, Carl Nassib trying to teach these guys, you know, economics. And um, you can tell, by the way, that that, uh, Miles Garrett wasn't paying attention. Oh, not at all. I was actually going to bring that up. That was going to be my next thing. Uh, I thought that
4: the Nassib, because I played that clip leading into you, I thought his uh, his version of economics uh, is pretty interesting. I mean, the guy was really into it, obviously, with all the curses and stuff. Uh, his uh, grandmother said that I guess they said his grandmother called him the day after it aired and uh kind of, you know, told him that was a bit too much.
5: <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, you know that's
4: that? what that's what was told. Yeah, they said his grandmother called him so you won't be cursing as much on teacher episodes.
5: <laughs> I'm sure.
4: So uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was entertaining. Called that to breaking it breaking that down and going to a Taylor Swift
5: concert, you know. So. That that I, I found kind of funny too. It's, you know, she's just gonna break up with him and write write a whole album about it. So that's her mo. Um, what I found interesting about it was again, like I said, he's trying to get you know uh, trying to get these guys to save their money and things like that, invest in the right things, and you could tell that uh, that Miles Garrett wasn't paying attention at all. I mean, I guess if you're the,
4: uh, the prized defensive player, you may not have to, as long as you keep getting sacks, right? Isn't that the way it works?
5: I mean, I guess yeah. I mean, I did like the moment between him and William McGinnis. Um, yeah, I, I find things like that interesting, though, because you know Miles Garrett this is his second year coming in, coming uh, second year in the league now. I mean, he's been a very good pass uh, rusher so far. Um, I mean, obviously he was prolific in college. What is it that William McGinnis can teach him now? That he doesn't already know, which I, I find that really, like, especially the moves that he was showing him, I'm like, well, "Miles Garrett moves. doesn't know." I mean, Miles <laughs> Garrett doesn't know how to how to how to do a swim move or a or a rip. Like, I don't I don't understand. But well, again, I'm looking
4: like, at it. I think, well, you know, a veteran can still teach a younger player, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock that too much.
5: Maybe that move in particular shouldn't have been used, but like, I guess they got to show people sure, some I'm on just, TV. I just want to mention that that's the particular move that that Willie McGinnis is trying to teach Miles Garrett, you know, in the second year of the league. Maybe there's you know, there there's stuff that they left out. And I hope there is because um you know, I I would I would assume that Miles Garrett knows how to how to get to a secondary position and and you know, establish rip moves and swim moves at this point in his career. Um but I did like that moment it's in it's the Because, you know, remember William McGinnis did come from the Browns. You know, he spent you know, he, uh, is, I think the early parts of his career was with the Browns before going to the Patriots. So, uh, William McGinnis is, is, you know,
1: invested.
4: Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense on that end. Uh, just also, you know, let's make a here's a nice little segue. The Browns did face the Giants in their first preseason game, and yeah. it was the debut of not only Baker Mayfield in that game. But you also got Saquon Barkley, who very first play goes 39 yards. Yep. Is, are we making too much of it, or are we making just the um, you know the right amount of excitement about that? Are we you know how do we gauge that?
5: Well, I'll, I'll put it this way: Saquon finished with uh, 42 yards on on four carries. So the 39 yard rip was great, but he only got three more yards after that. So let's put these, put things in perspective. Um, is he going to be good? I think so. I think he's going to be pretty good. Um, and it's important to know that he probably would have got more more yards, but he was chased on by, you know, another rookie, Denzel Ward, who's, who had one of the fastest 40 times in the uh, in the combine. So um, I think we can be excited about Saquon, but, you know, let's temper our enthusiasm because, you know, there's still an offensive line that needs to block for him. There's still defense that needs game plan for him. So I'm not saying he's going to come out and win rookie of the year or you know rush for 2000 yards but I think we have a lot to be um to be happy about and you know at this point you know they're, they're talking about his hamstring and they're being cautious with him but they they they're, you know they don't think that he's uh he's going to be in any any, any trouble so uh it'll be interesting how they how they how they uh, use him moving forward
4: yeah, I'm really curious to see what um, happens with him, and you know, it just it's just it, it brings a lot, you know, to the team for excitement and all the possibilities with uh, Eli and Beckham being healthy. It, you know, the Giants fans are excited. Another fan base that's excited was obviously are the Jets. I was pretty impressed with uh, Darnold and um, also with uh, with Bridgewater. Is there a bit of a, a quarterback controversy with the Jets right now? Like, because I don't know where, don't where so. they go here.
5: I don't what think do so. they I, do think, here? I think I think the plan all along was to start uh Donald um I think you know there's going to be teams out there that have been better, that are looking for a quarterback uh that don't want to spend a lot of money that that don't want to you know that are aren't ready to to throw away this season to look for a quarterback next year and I can tell you right now next year's crop of uh, rookie quarterbacks aren't going to be as good as this, this one um so I think that Tampa Bay, who's not going to have Jameis Winston for the first four weeks of the season, and you know, depending on how he plays, may not have Jameis Winston next year, would be uh, a great opportunity uh, for the Jets to make a trade and you know, move City Bridgewater um, and you know, have uh, Sam Donald start Week One. I think if you're going to draft a guy that high, you start him. Um, so as far as Bridgewater goes, I think you know, showcase him. Showcase them as much as you can. um, Somebody's going to come calling. Uh, Like I said, whether it's Tampa Bay or, uh, I mean, there's not a ton of teams out there, but, I mean, there there are teams that are going to want a a quality backup quarterback or a a guy that could start. And, you know, look at Arizona. You know it's only a matter of time before Sam Bradford gets hurt. And, you know, yeah, do you want to get uh, Josh Rosen some reps? Sure you do. But that could be a team that, you know, wants a little extra insurance and, and uh, brings in Teddy Bridgewater. Um, at what point in the season that is? That's another question. But I think if you're talking about uh, a quarterback controversy, I don't think it exists in, 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 in with the Jets. I think they know what they're doing, which is way more than you can say for the you know for the past for them. I think they have a plan. I think they're going to start with Darnold, and they're going to find someone to take Bridgewater. If not, uh, I don't know. I think I, I think I would start him just because. You know, you don't want to throw the rookie to the fire too too quickly, but I I've seen already a stark difference between Sam Sam Darnold at USC and Sam Darnold in the NFL, and he's making huge improvements really fast, and I I'm impressed by it.
4: All right, final thoughts right now. Odell Beckham still working out that contract situation. What do you think happens? Is he going to be the highest paid wide receiver in football?
5: Uh yes, I think he's going to be the highest-paid wide receiver in football uh, until Julio Jones signs. I think the two of them are going to have to uh, are going to be the two highest-paid receivers in football, uh, deservingly. So, when the contract comes, is a totally different story. I don't know uh, when the Giants are going to sign Odell and when the Falcons are going to sign Julio, but I think both of those deals get done. I I would say before the season starts. I I wouldn't. I can't imagine you know, September 6th coming, and neither of those guys are signed long-term.
4: Hey, you know what? That's about as honest as you can get there. Stan, as always, thank you very much for your input. I
0: know no you'll be problem. tuned in to
4: Hard Knocks, and uh, we'll follow I will the whole uh, Cleveland Brown story and see if it's become one of the uh, top five all-time Hard Knocks uh, seasons.
5: Listen, man, it's already got two Hurricanes on it, David Njoku and, and Duke Johnson. Um, you know I'm invested. I'm just, those are the two guys that I'm that I'm watching the most. So, anytime there's a there's a hurricane to be watched, I'm watching.
4: I thought we we're gonna go one episode without you mentioning the hurricanes, but hey, you know, just stuck you, it right in there.
5: You cannot go <laughs> an episode without me talking about the Miami Hurricanes. Okay, it's just there's three guarantees in life: death, taxes, and I will talk about the hurricanes. Definitely,
4: I appreciate you, Stan. Man, take care,
5: Evan. Yeah,
3: Barkley gets the first touch. Barkley makes a few miss. That's why he was second overall out across the 50 and chased out at the Browns 48 yard line. A 39 yard run on his first time. He's there in the hole. He reads it. good stutter step. Good balance and vision. He went right around Emmanuel Agba and then he showed the speed as he turned it outside.
6: Second and eight. And take a look at the Cleveland defense. No gain on the plate
3: Barkley nowhere to go on that first down run, and he loses two on the play. Listen, we got to play football. Barkley picks his way up the middle and picks up four. Play.
6: First touch went for 39 yards on a run. Can't get around Ward. Picks
5: up a couple
3: on the play. Game of three.
5: Pros, they get out there pretty quick. You see,
4: he's a little patient in there, stays, and then he breaks it out. Here comes the safety right there to minimize
2: the game. Sequoia, what went through your head when you saw some space after you made that cut?
7: You know, you're just so locked in the moment, and you just living in a moment that you really don't even notice what's going on in your head. But the offensive line did a great job with, it. with blocking up front, uh, creating space. Uh, Evan made an unbelievable block there. and I was able to get upfield field and uh, create space and uh, get a big game. Saquon,
4: so Eli has been quizzing you on routes.
5: Was that something that had been drawn up before for you?
7: Uh, like You mean like some other quarterbacks I played with? Uh, no, uh, I've never really been quizzed. Uh, routes. <laughs> I actually, he actually does like kind of quiz me like he's like my teacher. Um, but you know, it's been really helpful to me. Um, just, you know, just checks and balances, make sure I'm where I need to be, my mindset where I need to be, and knowing where I need to uh, know where I need to be at, uh, especially in a route formation and the route scheme, and just to help other routes open up.
3: You know, this was not a game that counted, but still, you know, your first time under the lights in the pros with their. You know, what was your emotion coming in and? What did it feel like during the game? Yeah, you know, it was kind of
7: weird. Um, I was talking to a lot of guys there. Um, for some reason, I, I, I didn't get nervous. Um, I didn't really even get anxious. Um, it, was, it was kind of a weird feeling. Uh, I didn't understand it. Um, they said it would probably hit me when the when national anthems uh, when national anthem goes off. But I just kind of like just got locked in so quick. Um, you know, I just been preparing for this moment my whole life and be able to play in the NFL and uh, I didn't want any other thing to ruin and I, you know, it. I did not matter if I broke the long run or not, I just wanted to go out there and enjoy and have fun and take advantage of every rep and every opportunity I got.
3: Did you expect to be nervous, and did you almost want to be
7: nervous? Yeah, I expect to be nervous because I've been from high school, uh, you know, from high school back on, I was nervous in high school. Uh, I was nervous, um, not nervous, not the word, anxious is the word, Uh, because nervous is kind of like you're scared. I just needed that first hit. I was just so ready for that that moment that that started the series um, than I've ever been. It was kind of weird, but uh, coach one of the coaches told me that he said uh, it's going not get worse. Don't worry. So <laughs> uh, definitely preparing for that and just just excited to you know live my life and live the dream I'm playing. You only
3: get one shot to, to make a first impression. Is it satisfying that that is you know how Giants fans saw you for the first time?
7: I mean, uh, I, mean I think it was it was more satisfying to me just because of the the scenario um, we were backed up tight um, be able to get us out. Uh, from, I think we we're like on the 12-yard line um, and to break out like a four-yard run really helps the offense out We had a great drive. Just got to find a way to finish it um, So that's that was it was more exciting than that, that You know, it was helping the team out. we were getting a drive start to start off quick uh, And then more making a first impression Couple So are just two or three aspects
0: of the game that you really wanted to focus on?
7: What you said, you say? What is just two or three aspects of the game when you were out there that you wanted to focus on? Yeah, that one definitely was pass pro um, Definitely brass pro uh, knowing where I need to be and seeing my guys. Um, I didn't get, really get a chance to pick up a blitz today. I, I didn't have one to pick up really. Um, it wasn't my responsibility. Uh, and being patient in the running game, um, creating a pole, setting up poles and. Go, and the third thing was being me. Uh, go back to being me. You know, I got so many people outside of my family saying I got to do this, I got to be this, the expectations for this and that and the third. And uh, my main focus was to just put that all aside, put all the rest and not even focus on it, and just go out there and be a little kid again and have fun and play football. What are you going to look Last forward year? to looking Three at the call. film? Uh, you know, learning. Um, learning from throughout the whole game, even though I wasn't in an the third and second and fourth quarter. Um, and I split reps with uh, Stu in the, in the beginning, learn from his reps, learn from, from Rob, who played amazing and school who played amazing, uh, learned from Wayne and uh, continue to grow as a player.
2: Getting sick or hurt is never fun. It can be really scary. That's why we believe every child should have access to the best medical care. And thanks to the NASCAR Foundation, the speediatric program provides just that. Over the past 10 years, more than 500,000 children have received treatment through the Speediatrics program.
6: When you're here, it's like being at the racetrack, and every kid gets a speedy bear.
2: And the best part? You get to meet a real race car driver, like me, the next champion. No, I'm the next champion.
6: No way, guys, I'm the next champion.
2: No way, I am. No, guys, I'm the next champion. To learn more and show your support, visit us online at nascarfoundation.org. With your help, we can make sure every child goes on to be the next champion.
6: Got Connor Daly here making an outside pass on Ed Carpenter and Ed has been pretty strong, so that's a strong move by Connor Daly.
0: Talk about teammates, A.J. Foyt racing, the ABC cars are at it. Nice move by uh, Connor Daly around the outside
6: of his teammate.
5: Looking at Connor Daly, who when we left you was the race leader.
3: He's just gone on and off pit road for a splash of fuel and come out second. This is his chance to win an IndyCar. Connor Daly for the race lead. So Connor Daly leads in Indianapolis, 24 years old, Noblesville, Indiana. And so let's remember Connor Daly is a rookie. He's done a lot of racing in Europe,
6: but this is a lot of pressure for him to be under. Look at Daly pull away from Hunter Ray. Look at this, he gets a run on Hunter Ray when Hunter Ray tried to slide by, goes to the outside. Big time, out breaking them and around the outside the long way. And Sato proved as possible, Daly proves as That's possible. Young. That's about a toughest pass you can try to pull off.
3: And for the lead on the restart, Connor Daly, Tony Kanon, and a variety of others scrapping for spots. Connor kept the lead. Kanon inside again. Wheel to wheel with Tony Kanon. What a great drive. Connor Daly continuing to lead.
2: Is he going to be able to make it, Kevin? Right now, Connor Daly continues to put on a pretty good show of pace, laying
3: down good lap times, trying to build as much of a gap
2: as he possibly can.
6: For the first time in a long time at an F1 weekend, the American national anthem will play this time for Connor Daly, for his first win in GP3. Connor Daly
0: takes victory in the opening race of the weekend. All right, Sports Social with Eddie Junior, we are back, and I am here with two professional NASCAR drivers, and like I said, guys, first of all, it's an honor just for you guys to be here. Um, We have Connor Daly, and we have Mr. Ryan Reed. So, gentlemen, thank you. How hey, does it feel being in New York City?
6: <laughs> I like it. I mean, I've, I'm not here that often, so when we when we do get to come in, uh, it's good to see all the, the big buildings and the flashy lights and all the... Uh, all the human beings running around here so it's pretty wild yeah lots of people yeah it's a good times though
0: yeah. so. oh it's a good times you know it's that's what we're all about Make sure you stay with the good times i know <laughs> you guys are saying it's first time in brooklyn so yeah, you get to see all the improvements and different things that are happening here including the barclays center so yeah it looks cool, good yeah.
6: i mean i know there's uh there's a there's actually a race here a formula e race and they, yes. they had that here and so like a lot of my friends are in that series so Heard good things. Heard good things for sure.
2: Yeah, we don't we don't have a lot of NASCAR racing up here, so next time we get a chance yeah. to come up here and hang out, it's always fun.
0: Definitely, and you're definitely educating a lot of us that are not familiar because, like I said, we don't have NASCAR <laughs> here, but uh, it is definitely a big jump for us. And I have to ask you, Connor. Now you're making the jump from uh, IndyCar racing to uh, NASCAR. Uh, how are you uh, adjusting to that?
6: Uh, it's totally different. I mean, it's a it's a different world. Um, you know, every. They're still race cars, so they all still go fast. They stop, they turn left and right, um, but, uh, but they do it in a, quite a different fashion. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, we've got a, you know, a really good team and I've got a good teammate here in Ryan to, to learn from. So I uh, gotta try and do the best job we can with it and, uh, and see where we go from there. But I'm, I'm, I'm definitely very excited. I've driven almost every type of racing car there is out there and then uh, NASCAR was the next uh, frontier.
0: I hear that, and uh, both you guys have racing in your families, uh, I believe. Um, from, from your yeah, father, yeah. Right? You
6: know, my, my dad used to race uh, back in the day—Formula One, IndyCar, uh, sports car, a lot of different stuff. So, always in my blood. Um, I've and I've always loved it since uh, since I was a, a young lad. Yeah, yeah, same thing. My dad raced. My dad was always in the NASCAR world, which kind of
2: uh, was the biggest reason that I, I you know kind of fell into that, and that was that was always what I wanted to do. I never I never really. Um, you know, thought about going in the open wheel so wheel side of things. It was always NASCAR for me, and uh, primarily because because my dad raced in NASCAR. Right, and you actually started as
0: early. You won the uh, go kart. Yeah, I, I as as that. yeah, I started racing
2: go karts when I was four. So my mom was not too thrilled about her four year old getting a go kart, but uh, she uh, she she obviously you know sees how passionate I'm about it. Loves it now. Goes to my fo- Both my folks go to a lot of races, so it's it's pretty cool.
0: No wrecks or anything, right? It's go oh, it, oh, there's wrecks. There <laughs> it's racing, man. It's it's part of the deal. I hear you. And um, you guys actually also um share a bond in a sense with uh, um, you guys with our uh, Lily's Diabetes uh, as the sponsor for your um, for your team. Can you please describe uh, both of you guys' stories in regards to diabetes and how you're dealing with it?
6: Yeah, I was uh, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes when I was fourteen. Um, Twelve years ago now, and. Uh, and yeah, it was sort of a, a an odd uh, an odd stage in life. Didn't really know much about it at the time. Didn't really know what it was going to do, uh, you know, for my future. Didn't know what was happening. Um, but, you know, for me, I was in a race car, you know, five days after I was diagnosed because I just, I didn't really, I didn't really think of it as something that was ever going to stop me. So, you know, however many years we are now later, I've been racing for a very long time now with it and living with it. And um it's gone well so far. So uh, I, I can't complain. It's been you know, it's been cool to share uh, share the story with uh, you know with a lot of other young kids who you know, who are struggling with it and who have struggled with it for many years, just like me. And uh, it's 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 always cool if you can kind of bring a smile to someone's face, uh, you know, when they say, Wow, you actually drive race cars with this? This is like something that's they, they sort of don't really realize is, is possible, but you know, realistically you can you can still do whatever you want.
2: Right yeah uh I was diagnosed when I was seventeen, so a little bit a little bit later um but I was racing already and had racing for a long time, was diagnosed with type one diabetes. I was actually told I would never race again by the doctor who diagnosed me, so um you yeah, know I just feel so blessed and fortunate to be back in a race car today doing what I love, and like Connor said, you know we we're able to um, make a huge impact in a lot of people's lives by just by doing what we love to do and not letting it hold us back and you know you talked about Lily diabetes. Uh, you know, being both of our partners and they are uh, just its such an unbelievable uh, partner and organization to, to you know really take on um, and, and try and help promote, uh, you know, not a, a kind of a life that, you know, saying, hey, you can, you can go out and do the things that you love to do despite having diabetes. Um, and so it's, uh, it's been an honor to work with them and um, done a lot of uh, really, really cool things gone around the country talking about, like Connor said, living with diabetes and driving race cars and uh, lots of fun.
0: And Ryan, is interesting you brought up, they said that you may not even race again. And uh, what year was that uh, when you were first diagnosed?
2: Uh, it was 2011.
0: 2011, and you went on to win two races since then.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, so, you know, since since being diagnosed, one won actually quite a bit of race, quite a few races. Um, but I got into uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2000, started racing full-time in 2014. And uh, I've won Daytona twice uh, in NASCAR, so I mean, for us, Daytona's definitely kind of that's our that's our Super Bowl, right? That's our biggest race of the year. So to to have won twice on our biggest stage is so cool. And um, you know, I think certainly when I talk about Daytona win, the thing that I probably think about the most uh, is after the race, and when I was you know through Twitter and Instagram and uh, social media, email, text, um, just all the people that reached out and to see how much that win meant to some people because because of my story about living with diabetes and uh, being told I never race, Overcoming that and then standing in Victory Lane at Daytona uh, was so special. And uh, it was special to a lot of people, which, you know, obviously for me, the fact that doing what I love to do and then standing in Victory Lane meant something to other people is just very, very cool.
0: That is really cool. And uh, I have to ask now, obviously you guys are dealing with diabetes and what is it when you're racing? Is there any adjustments that you do during race to, you know, help during the process or?
6: Yeah, I mean it's all about preparation I think for us. I mean we've, you know, we we both sort of go through the same uh you know, through the same steps on the way up, you know, whether it's nutrition, whether it's you know, it's figuring out where we need to be uh, you know, blood sugar wise before the race and uh, you know, I we we both use, you know, continuous glucose monitoring systems uh, in the car so we can see uh see where we're going, see what's happening, see what we need to do, make adjustments. You know, we've got a got a drink bottle in the car if we need that, if we need some sugar. Um, so there's, there's, there's everything, you know, we have everything that we need to be prepared and, and that's, and that's all that, uh, you know, it's all, it's, it's worked for me, uh, for all these years and it's worked for Ryan. I mean, we've, you know, he's won at the highest level and, and uh, and we've, we've, we've both been, uh, you know, been through this sport quite a, for quite a few years now at, at the highest level and, and competing against all the, you know, every, everyone, else. And, and it's, it's, it's gone well. So I think preparation is key and it's always worked for, for me so far, for sure
2: yeah yeah just echo what connor said you know i think that no matter what you're doing uh living with diabetes is about you know preparing being prepared making sure that you have everything necessary whether it's you know insulin or uh, glucose whatever it is you know things that to treat your diabetes uh whatever the case whatever you have going on um and then whatever you're doing in life work with your doctor you know i I think that's probably the biggest thing is you know a very close relationship with my doctor and endocrinologist um and that's allowed me to you know really uh, as you know, I feel like diabetes is kind of a roller coaster you're gonna have good days and you're gonna have bad days and um you know working with your doctor and having that relationship um, makes makes you know those bad days a lot a lot easier and those are how you overcome those i think yeah
0: i actually was uh reading up a little bit on your story and i heard that you had to actually find it was a different doctor you had to go to because there was um, certain doctors that just wouldn't clear you or wouldn't say that you know that you should be racing uh and you think that there's an importance of having like just a certain relationship with a doctor to understand, okay, what you're trying to do and how to work with your situation?
2: Yeah, I think certainly, you know, looking back, and um, I worked with, a, I was diagnosed by a general physician, and so uh, I didn't have an endocrinologist, and I had, I had actually talked to a couple different endocrinologists before. I found the one that I currently use, and I think just a lot of them, the first doctor said, you're absolutely not gonna race. And then it was, well, I don't know, I don't know anything about NASCAR racing, you know, all I can tell you, all I can help you with is how to manage your diabetes. And then I found an endocrinologist uh, in Southern California. I grew up in California. Uh, so I found an endocrinologist in Beverly Hills. And she, her name's Ann Peters. She's like my second mom, uh, but she has worked with a ton of athletes. And um, she really changed the whole perception for me. You know, she was like, we're going to eat back in a race car. We're going to do this. Um, you know, I'm going to teach you how to manage your diabetes both inside and outside of the car. Uh, you're going to train and eat like an athlete. And I think that's when I looked at it and said, you know what? I'm going to take control of this disease, it's not going to stop me you know, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to give up on what I love to do because of a disease that I didn't choose. And uh, I think that she really kind of helped instill that mindset. So yeah, to answer your question, I think it's extremely important, not only working with your doctor, but having the right doctor who um, is gonna help you not just manage the disease, but really control and, and and you know, dictate what your life's gonna look like despite having diabetes.
0: Okay. and. Um, and uh, I obviously have to ask now uh, for uh, anybody that wants more information on Lily Diabetes, uh, where can they go to?
6: Uh, drive down a1c.com. That's uh, that's where we've got a lot of information on there, and uh, it's they're, they're they're showing a lot of people the way to uh, help manage uh, manage type type one or type two diabetes. Yep. Okay, and uh, Conor, I back to ask you, your first race is end of the month. Yes, August 25th at Road America. Um, really excited about it. It's it's uh, my first. My first foray into the NASCAR world, so uh, I've done a lot of races and everything else, but uh, this is uh, yeah, a whole new challenge.
0: Okay, and you guys are teammates, so we yeah. can really for each other yeah. out there. It's, <laughs> yeah, we're teammates and, until the last lap, and, then, course, it's, the last and then, lap. Yeah. then it's
2: going to be whoever, you know, only, we can only have one winner, so okay. we'll, f- we'll figure it out then. Though. Okay, <laughs> i
0: let you guys figure that out, but guys, uh, thank you very much for the time for coming through, and uh, hopefully you enjoy New York City while you're here. Yeah, appreciate
2: you. it. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have some fun. Yeah, thanks for having us on. All right,
6: thank you. Kane down to the inside. Reed tries to block him two and a half miles to a victory at the world center of racing. And now we see the 22. He's on the 88's bumper, so they should have some momentum. It's just a matter of where it times out. Reed up the track to block Kane. Crossover from the 88, but he cannot pull off the pass. Down the back straightaway. What a great block by Reed. That was awesome driving there. Just barely squeezing in front of Kane. Watch Austin Dillon in that high lane. Look at the 52 of Joey Gase right in the mix, looking for his second career, top five. The other came at Talladega. Off a turn four, Kane looks inside. Reed protecting that double yellow line. Three wide as they come through the tri-oval behind him. Reed looking for the checkers. He's gonna get a second career victory at Daytona. And they're crashing as they come across the start-finish line.
2: And this time he knew what it was like to win, and he wanted to come back and
3: win for his team. And, and what a great win for those guys! And look at the guys that he bested: Casey Kane, Austin Dillon, Brad Kozlowski. The talk in the sport these days is just beat the best,
2: and he did it with a couple of really great moves.
0: I want to take the time to thank my guests Connor Daly and Ryan Reed for stopping by the studio and uh, just informing us on what goes on with Lily Diabetes and just the, uh, the whole program and everything that's going on with that, so please make sure to check that out, as well as support Connor in his first race in NASCAR. That's a big deal. Also, special shout-out to Stan Tallowese, as always, giving us the hard knocks and his thoughts on the New York Giants, because there are so many thoughts. And until next time, you've been listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio.